comedy that's where I get to get away from my children and stay in a hotel for a few days to sleep September 5th Milwaukee September 6th Chicago uh, September 7th Boston Massachusetts October 3rd through 5th Nashville Tennessee November 22nd Seattle and then the 23rd of November in Portland Oregon all ticket links are at Christina P online and I think I added a show in Spermvine. I'm sorry, Irvine, California, and that will uh, be shown up shortly. Also, uh, the website is available where my mom's at.com if you want to see that. Um, also, Native, let's let's go ahead and plug the phone number where people can call me and leave in uh, voicemails. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Why don't we do that? If you want to email me a story, email me at where my mom's at at gmail.com. I love to hear all things mom. Tell me your deepest anxieties your greatest mom fails, your greatest mom triumphs. Um, You know, questions you might have for me, not like any great fountain of wisdom because I'm learning and I I don't have many mom friends. So you guys are my mom friends. Um, And what's the number? Okay, well, let's go to my, where my mom's at. So the other night, two nights ago, my little baby, again, he was up all night with a cold and a, and a horrible, horrendous cough. And he's got all these lung issues. And now he has a, a nebulizer and he has, um, uh, you know, steroids and all this crap. And they're like, oh, he's got asthma. Anyways, husband and I were up all night long. And um, it was like the old days of having a newborn to the point where he and I would like take turns <laughs> being like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. And handing the baby off to each other and, um, and I realize I talk a lot about the the hard stuff about being a mom. And that's what this show is about, is, is being real. Because I think the, the Kool-Aid, the party line on motherhood is that it is the best job in the world. It's the most fulfilling thing a woman can do. And once you become a mom, it just sucks the person out of you you were before. And now all things are mom. And that's it, like a zombie, you know. Um, and I, I, it is the best. I do love being a mom. I just want to preface that. But... Uh, <clears throat> But it's it's uh, it's it's complicated and there's ambivalence. So the phone number is 213-375-5184. Go ahead and leave me a voicemail again. 213-375-5184. Leave a voicemail in your name and where you're calling from. I just like to know where people are calling from. <laughs> Any hoodles? I wanted to start this episode because, um, like I said, we talk about all the struggles and the hardships and staying up with your baby all night long and now I have the cough my kid has etc etc but I wanted to talk about the good stuff um why do people have kids and why did I go back for seconds because clearly it's not that horrible if I I have two sons and I freaking love it and I love them and um so here so here's this email I got this this guy wrote to me my name is Devin I'm a 23 year old male not a dad but i'm definitely a mommy i don't want children but finding a girl my age who agrees is a hard thing to do so help me out and tell me all of the best parts of being a parent the kind of stuff that makes all the gross and embarrassing embarrassing stuff seem less bad keep my hand tight okay so let's start out with the obvious before i had kids 
I was convinced that the only reason people have children is because of their own vain narcissistic need to have copies of themselves. And I have to tell you, that's a hundred percent true. And I love it. Nothing makes me happier when one of the children looks more like me than Tom or when <laughs> it's true. And that's truly a great joy of parenting is to see a little copy of you doing something. At least for me, I do enjoy it when he's a little antisocial, Ellis. Um, his first sentence to my husband was, I'd like to play alone, please. And I was like, yes, you're, you're definitely, you're mine, you know. Um, and Julian too, he's, he's so happy and just so beautiful. And, and I, I, it's true. It's narcissistic. Um, and then, you know, there's a societal expectations of why we should have children, right? Cause if you don't, then something's clearly wrong with you. You should want uh, to de devote your life to raising your offspring. And that's just stupid. But, um, uh, but it is nice when you do have them because then people do respect you. It's kind of like when you get married as a woman anyways, I don't know, in the man man's world, but once you get married um, and you've got the ring, people do treat you differently. And that's super messed up, but it's true. And when you become a mom, it's like you're just, you're like lady royalty now. And it's um, it's fantastic. There's parking spaces for you when you're pregnant at some stores, which is a neat perk. Um, there's pregnancy discounts, or at least I would force a discount on people uh, when I buy stuff, I'd be like, I'm pregnant, just give me 10% off. And they sometimes did. Uh, uh, but let me tell you the truth. So here's the real, real. It is, being a mom seriously is the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life. And that's like a, uh, like seriously, like, yeah, I've, I've been a stand-up comic and yeah, I tell fart jokes and that's pretty fulfilling. But to really, um, it's so, it is, it, it adds like a, a sense of gravity to your life. Like if I died tomorrow, that would be really bad for my kids because then they'd be raised by my husband and like some Dalmatian 20-year-old um, yoga instructor. So it gives your life extra meaning. You, you start to exercise more and you're like, oh, I better stick around for 20 years. So at least 18 more years. Um, and like the best part too is it's, it's intrinsically a good thing to be into your children and like, you know, to raise them because it's not... Having kids, it's not measured by external things like like wealth or status, you know, like that stuff, that stuff comes and goes. Um, but that's uh, always there, your children, which is great. Um, oh, I like saying, oh, 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 the best part I like actually is uh, getting to rebuy all the toys my crappy parents never bought for me. You know, like getting to buy like an easy bake oven, even though I have two boys, I don't gender them, but I... I never got to have those or like shrinky dinks and like I buy all that stuff now and my kids do not give a rip but it's for me and it's exciting and um and that's all all fun um you get to heal and that and then this is like a real thing like you you do get to heal your own childhood wounds by becoming a parent because it all just comes flooding back man you know you you don't think about stuff forever until you see a kid uh, you know, like if your three-year-old says something to you or behaves in a way that like throws you into a rage and you're like, whoa, what, what is that? It's not him, it's you. And then you go back and you're like, oh yeah, that's at that time my, my parents did this and that or the other. Um, so it kind of forces you to look at your own personality and, um, um, and I get to say neat things to them. Uh, I love, I love disciplining them. It's fun. You know, like when your kids are bad, you get to come up with like creative 
uh, ways to threaten their lives and stuff. Like my mom used to yell at me in Hungarian and um, she would always be like, like, I'm gonna hit your head so hard, your head's gonna fall off. And I don't say that shit now to my kids, but I'm, I love being like, what's going, there's monkey business happening. In the next room, there's monkey business and that's fun and it's silly and it just adds a level of fun and silliness to your life that I feel like you don't, you don't get. I like playing with my kids. I think because I, I grew up so fast. I grew up at like four. And <laughs> so I love um, being childish with them and their faces, man. There's nothing like your little kid's face when they smile at you and they put their little arms around you. And it really is um, the best thing in the world. And honestly, like I'm, I'm 43. So if I didn't have children, I'm like, what, what am I going to do with all this free time? Like, <laughs> like I'm, I've had brunch. I've seen all the movies. I've done drugs. I've like, I, I don't want to hang out with friends anymore. I don't want to travel. I've been places, places suck. So now I'm like, I just want to stay home with my kids. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, and then teaching them fun things. Um, like we taught our toddler to say, I have to take a dump when he has to poo. And you know, it's fun. Like little, little stuff. And I tell you, as much as I don't want to stay up all night with my kids, there is nothing like hearing, hearing your little kiddo scream, mommy, mommy, I, you know, help mommy. I need you. It's cute. You know, you, you just like the minute they say mommy, it's over and they're just the best things in the world. So there you go. There's positive aspects to having children. I don't want this show to be all about like man, changing dirty diaper sucks like no kidding um but i do want to demystify the whole thing that motherhood is somehow the the end all be all to your existence and that um somehow you get this amnesia memory erased and you're no longer the person you were uh which is just not the i don't know at least for me i'm still who i was except now i have two other people to care for and there's you know layers of responsibility and crap uh, but later on, we're going to speak to um, a, a woman named Deanna, who actually met at one of my shows before she got pregnant like a year ago. And she and I kept in touch on the gram. <laughs> and we're going to call her later. And we're going to talk about identity and losing your sense of self once you have kiddos, because um, it's really easy, man. I remember after I had Ellis, I was like, I listened to Howard Stern incessantly in the car. And I remember saying to my therapist, like, uh, am I allowed to like Howard Stern after being a mom? Like, am I allowed to to laugh at the horrible things I have for the last, you know, my whole life? Am I allowed to be juvenile now that I'm a role model for somebody? And the answer is yes. <laughs> you just, uh, you know, you shut it off and you become a different person, a little bit different. Obviously, at home, I don't talk about drinking pee and like... <laughs> with my kids not yet that comes when they're a teenager and they have the internet now so they get exposed so fast to things so um let's start with uh, mom fails those are like my all-time faves now it's time for a round of mom, mom fails. fails i love this one this one made me lol um this is a man who writes in this is chris so I was standing in line at the grocery store the other day. I'm a father of, a t of 10 and five-year-old boys. The 10-year-old grabs a toy the five-year-old had to take into the store. I watch him do this. The five-year-old instantly starts to whine. I look down. Come on, dude, don't make him whine. 10-year-old, I didn't take anything. Me at full volume dad voice. I saw you, motherfucker. <laughs> 
Yep. Next snap, people are disgusted. I'm not happy about it, but I look around and just say, yeah, I keep it real. And I don't know if that's something that every parent has, but it seems to me dads have two voices, speaking dad tone and dad speaking tone. And sometimes that dad tone just pops out 100%, dude. I haven't called them motherfuckers yet, but definitely you end up calling i call my kids dude all the time and bro i'm like dude bro don't do that bro it's so great that's so funny okay here's another mom fail i like this one um not my proudest mommy moment in fact one of the ones i felt worse about my son who is now four years old was about six months old and had a diaper rash and was crying over it he was my first kid, so I panicked and quickly went through our bottom drawer where he kept such, where we kept such ointments. I put a hefty amount of cream on him, and then he started screaming his butt off. Turned out I had just put a hefty amount of Bengay on his diaper rash, not butt paste. Yikes. Needless to say, we don't even keep Bengay in the house anymore. Luckily, he was so young, he does remember it. Thank God for them being so young, they don't remember it. Because that's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave my... um my toddler real toothpaste the other day, not realizing that their taste buds are probably so much more sensitive. And he was like, ah, it burns, it burns. I'm like, ah, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, they're resilient. Thank God for that. And thank God they still love us despite that. <laughs> That's so funny. I wonder if people hear me talking to my kids. I, I don't call them mother effers, but I definitely talk to them the way... Um, I do. I don't think other moms do. <laughs> Sometimes my kids are like, well, Ellis can talk and he's always like, stop it. Be normal. I'm like, oh no, I'm going to hear that a lot. <laughs> I can do the floss. I floss, you know, I learned that dance from Fortnite and I was doing it in the kitchen yesterday and Ellis liked it for about two seconds and he was like, no dancing, no dancing. I'm like, yeah, I know. I feel that. All right. Okay, let's do another mom fail. This one's um, this one's um, a kind of serious, but I like it. it. Says mom fail. My worst um, my worst mom moment was when I got an abortion. Love you, jeans. Wow, that's deep, bro, for sure. Um, not a mom fail. I wouldn't categorize it as that. I would say that it's probably the most responsible thing you can do if you're not ready to have a child. My gosh, I wish more people uh, did that <laughs> if they didn't want to have a baby, right? <sighs> All right, let's do a voicemail. These are so much fun. Uh, let's do the first voicemail, Nadav. Yeah, this one is from Lacey. <laughs> yes, wanted to let you know with my ex when he was watching the kids, uh, I come back and he puts them in the baby jail. And apparently that is the pack and play. And if you put a couple of them together and tape them together, <laughs> it could be like the size of a room. And he just laid on the couch. Great. And then a mommy fail for me leaving him with him. Another one is my daughter likes to take off as of last summer when we're sleeping in a new neighborhood. That was not good. Once again, <laughs> I'm lazy. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye, Christina P. Oh, my God. I did not know you could tape the two pack and plays together. Now, let me think it through because a pack and play is a, a crib that you can take with you. You can tape them together. I'm assuming you have to cut out right one area like because they're two cribs they're two mesh cribs yeah let's look this up because i'm i like her thinking right but see they're four-sided 
mesh. So maybe you could zip. Is there like a tent, you know? You can zip one side down maybe? Maybe, maybe you put it on the side and then... Oh, baby jail. That's what yeah, it is. And then just tape it all so that there's just no opening. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so um, 1950s. Like they used to like throw... Just put the kid in the the uh the pack and play type of thing and walk away they used to leave babies in whatchamacallit strollers in the 1950s and just keep them outside all day like newborns because the thought was they needed a lot of fresh air so that they would be extra tired and then they would sleep better which is i mean and they would do it like in the snow too like in cold weather which is amazing yeah all right, this uh, this next voicemail oh, is from it. Michael. Michael. What's up, my jeans? Uh, this is Michael, and uh, I got a little fail for you. Um, I call my wife retarded sometimes, and so my son did a little mess up, and I called him retarded, and now when he introduces himself, he says, hi, I'm retarded. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a fail for you. Keep a mind tight. First of all, we do not condone the R word um, in studio jeans. We prefer TikTok. That's what we say around here. Uh, that's crazy. That's so, you got to be so careful, man. They pick up on everything so fast. <laughs> yeah, how do you fix that? My name's Timmy and I'm retarded. You have to um, not react. Like, because Ellis said the F, F word a few times. We were just like, nope. Don't do as as awesome as it is when your little kid says it in like a shrimp voice. You have to be like, no, because then they don't they don't know it's bad. That's the whole secret is they don't know. Um, once they find out it's awesome to say it, then you're really screwed. I used to say fuck all the time in school though. I used to yell it out when I would lose at bingo, and I used to get wiffle paddle. Did you guys get? corporal punishment growing up at school yeah i went to a lutheran school and they would wiffle paddle me or um put listerine on a cotton ball and put Let's make you suck it on it suck on it yeah Isn't this that crazy? is in la dude in the valley what yeah bro not well in the 80s didn't have that in any schools that i went to where but you grew up in LA. i grew up here too yeah i mean i went to a jewish school maybe that's um, why the jews don't beat their kids do nah. they yeah, no, it's we, Christians beat their kids. Yeah, we, we just use uh, shame and disappointment to <laughs> get kids to do what they want. What did you hear? What did your mom tell you? Uh, to like do th to get her to get me to do things. Yeah, how did she shame you? Um, you know, just like basic disappointment. Like, man, I have no other kids like you. Like she, would, <laughs> like she would say stuff where it's just like, oh, you're like you're different and more difficult than the other ones. That's how. because oh. I'm the youngest of four of four kids. So I'm yeah. like, what? I'm not normal like my other siblings? And then I just quickly, I mean, start behaving for like a day and then I'd go back. Wow. That's got to be pretty scarring, though, to have your mom be like, you're the you're the the best up one. Well, I mean, at least she kept it consistent up until <laughs> college. So it's like it was never <laughs> it was kind of I, I kind of liked it towards the end of it. Like, yeah, I'm the different one. Oh, because like, now I'm look the, at I'm you. the one keeping you on your toes. Yeah. You know? But uh, how are your other siblings? Are they as cool as you? Probably not. I mean, no, but they're like super uh, good, normal people. Oh. <laughs> so maybe your mom was right. <laughs> I guess you are kind of a black sheep. That's yeah, terrible. I mean, they don't laugh at any of the things I laugh at. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. That's um, so funny. 
Yeah, we got uh, we got some more voicemails here. I love that. We got we got two more voicemails for you. My name's Ricky. This happened back when I was like in the first or second grade. My mom shows me and my brother the movie It and Stephen <laughs> King, and then the next weekend after that, and that was like a whole week of us, you know, having nightmares of this clown. She takes us to the damn circus and. I'm sitting there with my mom at the circus, and a clown is, you know, trying to do magic tricks, and I'm terrified of this dude. He reaches in to kiss my mother, and I hit this clown. (laughs) Yeah, I thought he was trying to bite my mom's face like in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. You cannot show small children horror films, dudes. Right? This is horrible. But in the 80s, we like I remember my parents did not filter what I watched at all, like ever. I watched Poltergeist when I was a kid, too. Um, Did you guys watch Poltergeist? Were Um, you old? I remember when I was a kid, we wanted to watch Titanic. And so so my mom made us watch Poseidon Adventures. Okay, that's like super. Okay, okay. It's not even it's not a scary movie, Titanic. Poseidon Adventures was that Uh. that gave us fucking nightmares. Oh, I never saw that one. It's oh, yeah. so boring. It, no, it, it's <laughs> Poseidon Adventures? Isn't it boring? I thought it was. It's they, an old school movie yeah. where people just slowly drown to death. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, it's, it was terrible. Terrifying. Yeah, I saw that in like second grade. Maybe that's just an immigrant thing where they don't shield you from anything. Like, because my mother and my father are like, this is good. You learn about real life. Real life is hard. I'm like, cool. All right. Like, I used to watch The Elephant Man when I was five years old. That movie was terrifying. Right, the I, guy. I didn't see that. What was that? Oh one my God! The Elephant Man. It was a guy who was my name is John Merrick. It was a guy with a, these horrible deformities. Like, remember Rocky Dennis from Mask? It was like similar to what Rocky Dennis looked like, but it was a black and white movie, and he wore a burlap sack. Dude, that it's based on this dude. Um, there he is. That's the Elephant Man. Oh my! And I would watch this at like five years old in front of my dad. He didn't think to turn it off or change the channel to cartoons. Yeah, it was, it was terrifying. And he found, uh, you know, he's trying to find human love. Oh, my God. It was the worst. And Poltergeist. I was so afraid of uh, clowns, too, from Poltergeist. Um, Jaws. Remember that? 80s kids watching Jaws and then not wanting to swim in a pool because of that shit for a year. It was terrible. Don't show your kids scary movies. Of course, now there's, like, warnings on everything. Like we were watching Stranger Things last night on uh, Netflix and there's a warning for the strobe lighting that may hurt people with photosensitivity. Like, are you kidding me? Are you, there's enough people with this issue that you need to put a disclaimer on those with, eventually it's going to be an entire list, a laundry list of nonsensical phobias and problems like this could be triggering for people with nosebleed issues and issues with monsters and like oh god right that's going to be the next level of nonsensory strobe lighting isn't that true though in japan there was some japanese cartoon that gave kids strokes or something yeah i think there was some show that came out that like was it pokemon <laughs> I gave kids seizures and stuff. Uh, it gave like a lot of kids seizures. <laughs> and so I think ever since then, like it started becoming to be a thing. But I mean, like 
Seizures are a real thing. I think seizure warnings are okay. Are they? I, I, if something could give someone seizures, Man. maybe a little heads up is nice. I mean, I, I'll you know. tell you what, though. Like growing up in the in the Hard Knocks '80s, like no one gave a fuck about anybody's safety or or. I'm serious. Like this whole nonsense of we have to, uh, you know, put pads on everybody's life and it's it's like just take some responsibility, bro. I, I mean, you know, in Hungary, there's a roller coaster that doesn't even stop to let you on. <laughs> like that's the kind of stuff I grew up going to. Like let's go to the the park. It was called Vidam Park, and you go and the the roller coaster slows down just enough so that the person can jump out and you jump in, and there's not even like a a seat belt or none of this horse shit, right? Not the uh, strap. No, there was like a thin, rusty metal bar that didn't even go down to your lap. It was like in front of you. And they're like, well, you better hold on, asshole, if you want to ride. There was no lines for bumper cars. We talk lines. You just, everybody huddles around in a circle and then the, the ride stops and then you, you bum rush. Everybody runs and throws a person out of the seat. Like <laughs> savagery. That's how I was raised. Like, I, I, this fucking generation is doomed. 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 You know what I ordered online? I ordered a Sesame Street activity book from the 70s, 1976, bro. This is the year I was born, 76. They have the best activities. Activities where kids use scissors. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Ooh, scissors. And uh, there was one activity. It was like, find a bleach bottle, empty out, take the bleach out. Didn't even say like, wash it out. It was like, just take that bleach bottle, get some scissors, cut it in half. (laughs) Make a bird feeder. Like, what? That's what I'm talking about, people. That's Gen X, bro. Now, the problem with our generation, us Gen Xers, is that, yeah, that was way too dangerous, but now we're raising snowflakes, right? Everybody, we overcorrected. That's why everybody's, uh, all these kids are goddamn weenies. But I don't know. Actually, the millennials I hang out with are pretty cool. But uh, we, we don't have to shelter everybody from everything, really. The, the warning about the seizures. You can't watch Stranger Things. They have seizures. Fuck off. And don't watch the show. Bunch of crybabies, as far as I'm concerned. We didn't care, cater to everybody's feelings, is what I'm saying. We just didn't. And I understand in this era of inclusiveness, it's a wonderful idea. And this is what post-modernity wanted. And I, hey, man, I studied this stuff in college in the 90s. The postmodern movement was that there was a bunch of little narratives. There's not one meta-narrative. There's not one white male patriarchal thing. I get it. There's lots of voices in the world. But guess what? A lot of those voices are really a small percentage of the fucking population. You know what I mean? 0.000001% of the people watching are having seizures. So I'm, I'm cool if we don't have to be inclusive on every GD thing. Okay, moving along. Let's do the dad win. Oh, is this a voicemail? Yeah, this is the one the the guy uh, submitted it as a as a fail, but you're saying that it's an actual win. Yeah, right? guys, a lot of these it's so funny because I think culturally, if you're not doing it perfectly, it's called a fail, which is why I love these because this is actually just called the reality of parenting. And this is called survival, bitch, because none of us know what we're doing and we're all just surviving. So this is great. Let's play this when I like it. Hey, mommies. This is uh, Anil Maneri from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And I got a, I got a mom, a dad fail for you guys, you know, mom, dad. 
So I was watching the kids. I have, I have three boys. Uh, it's six, four, and two. And uh, this was like a, this is last year. This, the four-year-old was uh, getting uh, potty trained. Uh, he comes. We're at the park. He comes to me and he's like, "Daddy, I have to go potty right now." And he's freaking out. There's no bathroom close enough. And I'm like, "There's nobody here. Just us. You know, go go in that bush out there and go pee." So he goes. And then I watch him go. He's in the bush. I watch the kids. They're fine. I turn around and he's squatting, taking a shit behind the bush. And I, I can't, like, I don't want to panic. I didn't panic, so, you know, because if you panic, yeah. you know, they, they, they're going to think, oh, you know, I can't poop anymore. It's all going to go backwards or whatever. So I let him finish, and I just leave the shit there. I don't pick it up. He's not a dog. So, whatever. We just move on and we go home after that. Anyways, thanks. Thank you for my call. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Could you imagine being the person that stumbles upon that? And those poops are like, whoa. I don't know what's up with these coyotes in this park, but <laughs> this is crazy. Oh, my God. He's got a good point, though. It's not quite a dog, right? And I'm sure he didn't carry bags with him. Like, maybe you should now. I mean, what, <laughs> what would you bags. do if you, I'd saw, let him... if you saw Alice doing that in the park? Well, he's right. You can't be like, don't poop, buddy, because now you're, you're toilet training, so you want to constantly reinforce. Like, you want to be doing cartwheels when your kid poops not in their diaper. Like, we're getting, we're trying, I'm glad you said your boy is four, because our boy is three and a half, and we're, we're in the starting the process. And I'll be like, do you want to go poop, buddy? He'll like, you know, he'll be ready to do it. He's like, do you want to go poop? He goes, no, I want to do it in the diaper. I want you to clean it up. I'm like, okay. Like, he literally says, I want you to clean it up. I'm like, yeah, I don't blame you. I would too, because it's awesome. Your life is awesome right now. And I, I literally do say that to him. I'm like, I get it. It's pretty awesome. Um, so what do you do? Yeah, you, you let the, I, what I, I mean, I don't know. What I would do is I'd be like, great job, buddy. I'm real proud of you. You took a dump. Um, but next time, let's try to, let's try to hold it for the toilet. Or, you know, let's time, let's, let's try to do it in a toilet, maybe. You know, you kind of suggest the toilet idea. Because truth be told, they kind of poo where they want to. Uh, a lot it's like you're lucky if it gets in the toilet um you know hey i wouldn't clean it up either sometimes i don't pick up dog poop i'm one of those people <laughs> i fake it sometimes i fake pick up dog poop. <laughs> you ever you ever but because only but only when my like i like i walk the dog and then i don't have the bag i forget it and then the neighbor comes out and I've literally, I've done it where I've pretended to pick up the dog too. I like pantomime it, you know, I'm like, what? Anyway, okay, um, that was awesome. That was so much fun. What, do we have more fails that I wanna read? Let me see, hold on. I wanna, I don't wanna read any more poop stuff. You guys have submitted so many poop stories because that is the majority of parenting is a lot of poop stuff. Um, I don't wanna do, that's gross. No, I don't know. Ew, this one's so gross. So many vibrator stories. <laughs> Y'all nasty grown-ups need to lock up your vibrators. Get your mom and your dad drawer. Lock up your sex toys. Lock up your weed. Lock it up. Because, okay, this is great. My son was over, a little over a year, and he put my recently used vibrator in his mouth. <laughs> I want to scrub it from my brain and hate myself for leaving it on the floor post coitus. It was covered in stuff. 
he would die if he ever found out and i am a bit dead from having been so careless i am disgusting yes you are bitch you nasty as hell you are so nasty first of all who uses the and then you're like we're done you know what I mean? you don't just leave stuff on the floor because my that's my biggest fear is like i'm done and then it's the cleaning lady it's your kid your dog is licking it or whatever like oh, oh so your kid wait your kid licked it is that what a vibrator in his <laughs> thank god they're natural natural juices you know what i mean like it's organic I know so many of your moms are into the organic. <laughs> so disgusting. All right, now back to the show. Where are we? Oh, let's do, um, oh, I want to do these. What would, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do, uh, there's so many great. Okay, so let's, let's get a little cereal here. I want to get a little, not just, you know, have a real, hold on, hold on. Where is that? Um, no, no. No, sorry. Here we go. Anyway, I think the which one is it? The, the one that you're looking at. It might be on the side. On which side, mom? Like to the left of you. Oh no, that's a mom fail. Like I think it's just by itself. Oh, for fuck's sake! Anyway, the question is: This woman had. I will just. I will just let you know. The person asked. Maybe it's on the other side of the laptop. It looks like there's some pages. Over oh, there. it's okay. Oh, oh, oh! Is this it? No. I'll tell you what the person asked me. Basically, they asked if I was having, um, after I had, if I had postpartum depression, and basically, what does that look like? And the answer is yes, a thousand times yes. And I want to do an entire episode on postpartum depression because I don't, I'm not sure that the literature and that the way it's portrayed um, in the culture, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you in a minute exactly what it is. Um, the way that postpartum depression is portrayed and explained in the culture is not, at least for me when I was endlessly Googling in the middle of the night, like, do I have this? It just didn't seem like it fit me. So postpartum depression, I think could be in the, the year or two, even after you have a child, there's a, a physiological thing that happens. You, your hormones are all wackadooed out when you're pregnant and then you give birth and literally everything inside of you <laughs> comes rushing out and your hormone levels go bonkers, bananas, everything is crazy, crazy, right? So you have that physiological response. And if it's your first child, there comes the panic of not knowing often what to do. And so there's, it's called, uh, my shrink calls it maternal anxiety, heightened maternal anxiety. So there's a thing called maternal preoccupation, which is how babies stay alive, right? You you care about your baby, you think about them a lot, you want to ensure the survival of this little creature. But then when maternal preoccupation goes wonky and into anxiety, which is where I was at, it is a life ruiner. So what happened was, at least with me, I'll tell you how I felt. I was uh, depressed, A, but that's kind of normal because I think that was always my baseline in life. I think I've always had like a little low, low grade depression. But um and not to say that like, you, and that's another thing. So the baby comes out and everybody around you is thrilled, right? They're like, oh my God, this is a miracle. Yeah, that's a miracle, a miracle. And you're like, yeah, it's a, it is. Yes, I love my baby more than life itself. This is a miracle. This is crazy. Um, but at the same time, I am 
crippled by anxiety and i would have a lot of irrational thoughts like what if i drop the baby um and you become preoccupied at least i did i was looping on what if i drop the baby what if the baby gets sick oh my gosh like the first few times my children have been sick it would throw me into like full panic attack ptsd like i don't know what that and a lot of that stems from my own um childhood stuff because my mom when i would get sick would overreact right so that was my template for for motherhood was my mom um so so a lot of preoccupation a lot of anxiety a lot of depression um mostly anxiety and like it, it can last like i said anywhere for like a year or two up until after you have the baby um and it sucks because like i said the culture tells you this should be like the happiest time in your life and the doctors would ask me questions like do you feel sad and you're like well i mean i kind of always do and i'm i guess i'm tired because you're tired on top of it because you're not really sleeping a lot after you have your baby um so you just assume it's part of that you know chaos of having a newborn um but it is it the shit is real man and i just remember my anxiety was just it was constant like i would wake up oh i, I do what's known as hypervigilance that's what i had like I would, I couldn't sleep. I'd wake up every few hours preoccupied with as a baby, with a baby, as a baby. And then I'd wake up at like five in the morning, every morning, and I would run through the day. And I would go, okay, I gotta make the baby's food. And then I gotta uh, feed the dog. And then I gotta f- feed the toddler. And then I gotta let the dog out. And then I would like try to preemptively do things. So I would run that. I would run tragedies in my head. If my baby had the sniffles, it's pneumonia. The kid is dying. He's on respirator ventilator whatever like everything was really 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 heightened for me so um if you feel like this sounds familiar to you and you just had a kid or maybe you had a kid even a year ago yes it's real it's not your imagination and a lot of moms in their first year get depressed just because you haven't slept in two years like really slept because when you're pregnant you're not sleeping so it's nine months of not sleeping then you have the baby you're really not sleeping for like a year and a half two until that kid's really a toddler and sleeping through the night well 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 um so yeah and a lot of moms i know just get depressed like uh, i mean what who wouldn't be kind of bummed out after taking care of an infant for months and months and months that's why i'm telling you my kid's first birthday is next week let me tell you what i'm doing uh we're gonna have a bar catering <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> like balloons i'm gonna have a fucking fire truck because I am celebrating that I am out of the woods. We no longer have an infant. We have a toddler. And to me, it's like we made it. And you got you just got to make it to that first year. And I guarantee it's going to get a lot better. Um, so, yeah, it's normal. And I so my friend got on Lexapro. That's how I found out that you can just take drugs. Um, not just. I shouldn't say it like that. But that I was going to my therapist. And my therapist was like, you should come in twice a week. And I was like, yep. How about five times a week? Can I call you? I'm <laughs> like, every day. Because I'm fucking losing my mind. And then, um, and then what happened was the anxiety was just getting so much that I wasn't enjoying anything anymore. I wasn't sleeping. Like, I would come and do your mom's house. And I would still, like, that was the only time I felt remotely normal. But I couldn't concentrate on anything. Like, I would read things five times. And I couldn't concentrate um, so I went to see a psychiatrist. So that's what you have to see to get put on any kind of medicine or whatever. A psychiatrist can prescribe something for you. And that's just like, just will lift whatever it is you're going through, man. Like for me, it was the anxiety and the depression. So she put me on a drug that just lifted that meow, just a little so that I wasn't so in panic and PTSD and panic 
all day, every day, and the adrenaline. And that's another thing, your, your body is washed with adrenaline when you're in anxiety, which is not good for decision-making, which is not good for like parenting, because now you're always in like fight or flight. That's horrible. So the medicine will, will just lift an SSRI, whatever, just a little bit. And then now I went to see my shrink. And because I was calm, we could really get to the heart of darkness of what was really bothering me. Because um, yeah, a lot of times those responses you're having, I spoke with somebody yesterday who during birth, um, relived her sexual trauma, meaning like when she was in the delivery room and there were all these hands um, on her lady bits, it triggered her childhood or whatever sexual traumas. And so that threw her into postpartum depression. And a lot of times we don't know why or what's going on. So please go to a therapist, go get real help, have your therapist refer you to a psychiatrist if you need it, if you're looping and you can't even deal which is how bad i was it was just nutty and it sucks because i was hoping the second baby would be easier it was actually worse the first time with ellis i um i just assumed that was how it went like you have a baby and now you're just crazy all the time and ah, i can't sleep that's fine um so then with the second one because i had been to therapy a bit longer i was like oh this is yeah this is not normal i should probably get help um because a lot of people with ptsd don't get help that's kind of the the horribleness of it um, to people who've been, you know, traumatized from childhood stuff, like a lot of us don't get help. You don't ask for help. You just power through it. You white knuckle through your life. And that is so bad for you and for your children and for your marriage. And because you know what, guess what? If you're a woman listening or a man listening and you have PTSD or you have trauma or whatever, your spouse suffers too, because they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. They just know that their poor, you know, loved one is screwed up so there you go i'm gonna do i want to do a whole episode on postpartum depression because i think it's so important because i remember oprah did something on the 90s in the 90s with like brooke shields came on and that was like women were like their heads were exploding in the audience like brooke shields had postpartum depression a supermodel has depression it was so fucking great okay um i'm gonna do a phone call i'm gonna call up next is oh but here let me read this email which segue so is going to segue into it this is from viviana what a beautiful name she goes aside from you got oh, mom questions cp's got mom answers what would christina p do i want to talk over my cool stingers whatever. so this lady writes um a, a viviana not this lady aside from work quote passion how have you not lost touch of who you are as a person love you i love you deanna yeah, huge, huge, huge question. And I'm going to call Deanna and we're going to talk about this because she and I were DMing on the gram about this very phenomenon. So let's see if she's available. Watch this cool technology here. Is this working, Mommy? Oh. She's hoping her baby cooperates during this call. We all know that. Hello. Oh, Mommy Deanna. Hi. Hi, Jeans. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm so glad to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Dude, I've been following you and your whole story <laughs> on the gram where we DM. And you, I know. What happened? So, you, you were in LA and then you got knocked up. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's exactly how it happened. Yeah. And then you moved home, I'm assuming? Well, I moved home and then I got knocked up. Okay. Great. So now you're home. Do you have, uh, and you have a baby. How old is your boo-boo? She'll be eight months this weekend. Oh. It's flying by. It is flying by, right? And how's it going for you so far? 
It's good. It's, I think I just recently found my rhythm yeah. and it took, you know, that long. Yeah. Like what, like your rhythm, meaning like a baby schedule or just how to adapt to being a mom. Oh God, there's no schedule. Um, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> my child is a wild child. Like I knew pretty much from when I was pregnant that she was going to be a handful. I could just tell. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think mostly just adapting to be a mom. Yeah. Being a mom. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I actually, I don't live in a state with any family, so, yeah, we moved out of state and left all of our family with no intention of having a baby, and then two weeks after we moved to Atlanta, we found out that I was pregnant, so we were like, all right, well, we're here now, and we're doing this, so we've just been kind of winging it and making it work, so... There has been like a death, a learning curve, to say the least. And I am like the village, you know, like everyone's oh. like, oh, well, it takes a village to raise a baby. Well, I am the village. Like my husband goes to work for 10 to 12 hours a day. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, but so that's what I'm saying. Like, we're just starting to get our groove. And I think as soon as you get your groove, they go through some new development <laughs> change and you lose your groove. <laughs> A hundred percent. And it, it'll come in disciplining too. Like you'll figure out how to uh, finagle, how to convince your toddler to do something. And then they'll be like, fuck you, that's dumb. And then they'll, you know, they'll figure you out and you'll figure them out. So how are so you? Yeah. So I, because you're, you're just so in it right now, could you describe to the listeners what having a baby for the first time is like, and not just the physical labor. I mean, emotionally, what is it like? The first word or phrase that comes to mind truly is like, it's a clusterfuck. <laughs> it's, um, it's so much. And I guess, so I was listening to your episode yesterday and I laughed because I already knew I was going to talk to you. And I heard you guys say this yesterday and I was like, all right, I got to preface. I love my daughter more than anything. Of course. So going into this, I love her, but like some days I want to put her outside and then go back inside and close the door and just leave her there. Of course. Some days you want to throw that baby in the river and then you're like, and then they smile at you, right? Or they laugh and they giggle or they, they call you mommy and then you're like, this is great. Let's do this again. Let's I haven't have experienced some mommy yet, but I'm done for. But yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it thrusts you into a different phase yeah. of yourself. Even if you're not ready, you have to all of a sudden be ready. And you're young. So I wasn't ready. Now, yeah, I'm, I, I consider myself a young mom. I'm not a teen mom or anything, but I'm still in my 20s. Right. Which is, you know, 28. That, you're 28. Okay, so you're, yeah, you're just on the cusp of like, at least when I was a 28-year-old, of really coming into, into being an adult. That's still a formative time, you know? Yeah, I mean, I grew up fast. So I, I didn't have like a normal growing up, but yeah. I think I'm still a young mom. Like when I, I live in like the suburbs of Atlanta. So when I'm out and about doing mom things, I don't really identify with like suburbia mom because most of them are like mid thirties and I'm over here like a teeny bopper. Yeah, you're, my stroller around. you're a legit cool mom. You're like the kind of mom <laughs> I'm trying to be. Hello. No, um, but so, so, so that's what we were kind of talking about you and I is like, 
I think there sometimes can be a societal expectation or a cultural expectation or a neighborhood expectation of what a mom is supposed to be like, act like, look like, sound like. And it sounds like you're kind of, is that what you're struggling with right now? Yeah, and I think a lot of it might really have to do with where I live. Um, So culturally, I live in a very suburb part of Atlanta. So, you know, if I lived somewhere else with maybe a younger culture who were moms, it might be totally different, and I can't speak on behalf of that. But for where I currently live, being a young mom, um, it's, I, I mean, I would dare to say it's been an identity crisis. Yeah. And you got to move back to Alabama. Aren't there like 15-year-old moms? Isn't that oh where teen mom no. is centered? <laughs> no. I would never want to go back. To, no, no, I'm just kidding. I will never go back to Alabama. I made that mistake one time, and I'm not doing it. <laughs> so you think it's cultural, but I think I think you're right too. Like, could be it could be your neighborhood, but I think too. At least, like you you just said that you grew up um, pretty fast. Like, what was your childhood like? What was your mom like? Um, pretty similar to your story. I think that's why I've connected with you so much. Yeah. So those of you know, my mother Um, was a borderline. She had borderline personality disorder, which makes them very split, black and white thinking. You're the best, you're the worst, um, stuff like that. So she was abusive and and mean and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think. And I grew, so you see my story and I'm not, I'm pretty transparent about it. I grew up in a just a way that I hope my daughter never does. I started doing drugs when I was really, really, really young and I struggled really, really hard as an adolescent and as a young teen. I actually never wanted to be a mom for this reason that I just like didn't want to continue on passing this down to anyone else. Oh, a hundred percent. That was my fear um, for so many. That's why I put it off for so long because I'm like, I'm going to mess them up. They're going to be crazy. It's going to be horrible, blah, blah, blah. But I think yeah. that puts pressure on people like you and like people that come from families that weren't ideal. Then you start going like, well, what is it to be a good mom? You know, do I have to be perfect? Do I have to be June Cleaver? Do I have to like bake cupcakes and do all the activities I'm supposed to do? Do I have to dress a certain way? Um, do you have like role models that you can look to like good mom role models? You know, I actually was just talking to my husband about that last night and I was getting a little like emotional teary eyed because I I think I realized yesterday, no, I don't. Um, And being a mom now, it makes it hard to have find the time. But so I have a degree in psychology and like those textbooks, those are my role models. So the things that I've learned, like that is how I've learned how to be a parent. Which Um, is probably the best. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I've done a pretty great job, especially as being like a young mom on my own, raising a child um, without having help or role models. I think I'm doing okay. She's alive still. Yep. Did it, girl. So, especially alone. Oh, my God. But, you know, I, obviously, like, I have my husband, but um, it's a lot. Yeah, of course, if he's working 10 to 12 hours a day. You know, yeah. he's not up with the baby okay. all night if the baby's sick. You are, you know, you're and it's always mom. Like, let's be honest. It's mom who does the breastfeeding. It's mom who's responsible for keeping everybody alive and going at the end of the. Oh, yeah. Day. And the paradox is that they come out and they look exactly like your husband. And it's, like, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> it's the worst, isn't it? 
He doesn't look anything like that. Uh, like, if it wasn't the fact that I was there, I wouldn't even believe that she was mine. Uh, um, so I did all the work. I carried her. I labored her. I feed her. I still breastfeed. And I'm like, but you look just like him. Uh, I don't get anything. And then she just started saying dada. Uh, so. To add insult to injury. I know I was just saying earlier, you didn't, I was talking earlier on this episode saying how the best part about having children is when they look like you. It's so narcissistic because you're like, that's, this is awesome. Like this kid looks, you hold it over your husband's head. So, but you never know that kid could turn around and look just like you in a year, which is what happened with our babies. Yeah. Just a little glimmer of that. Like, oh, this is all for something. Yeah, dude, it is. It is for something. Don't worry. So are you talking about a sense of, um, losing touch of who you are right of like yeah who you were before kids and who you are after and you're not the same person like you're it's like becoming no, a vampire i think it's yeah. actually like impossible to be the same person yeah no i agree to an extent. yeah no it literally is like it's like becoming a vampire and now you have to like <laughs> i don't want to use that analogy because that implies that you're dead inside but that you um you know what I mean? But now you're you're a part of this other world kind of thing, you know? It's yeah, I think it's a rebirth. Process. Yeah. Yes. So you kind of do die inside a little bit. <laughs> Some parts of myself will always be gone. Um, but not all of them. Right. I think parts of myself that needed to be gone are now gone for me personally. Like what? Um, immaturities. Um, I changed my lifestyle around really quickly because I found out I was pregnant in a time that I wasn't trying to be pregnant. I wasn't trying to grow up. I was trying to be, I was 27 when I got pregnant. So I was trying to be 27. Right. Um, and to find out you're pregnant when you're not trying to be pregnant, you don't really have, I mean, I guess you have a choice to not change your lifestyle, but that wasn't how I did it. Like I had to clean my life up. I had to stop partying and um, be a little more responsible and kind of put someone before myself. And that has made a huge impact, but that's also that kind of, you know, has a part of what I had said about the identity crisis. Cause that's, that's not the stuff that I'm sad about losing or that I'm even struggling with. Like, I'm happy to let that stuff go. I was kind of clinging on to an immature party lifestyle because I had nothing else to live for. And now I do. So I don't really miss that stuff. Right. Um, but I think more so what you had told me talk about was that for me, when I was 27, which was still very young in the mom world, um, I found out I was pregnant. And I remember thinking or saying, actually, I'm going to have to get rid of all my clothes. <laughs> I'm going to have to get new clothes. Like, I can't wear any of these clothes when I'm a mom. I know. I know. Well, that's why I joke about being a cool mom. Like, clearly I'm not. But the it is this weird identity shift where you're like, I, because once, especially when you have multiple, like, now I'm in two kids. Like, bro, I'm a mom through and through. Like, I'm not cool anymore. Like, there's nothing I can do. Um that's gonna be remotely cool like before you right. know what I, mean? I think i still identify with my cool self and the other day i have an almost eight month old and the other day i said i was a mom and i was like i'm a mom <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know but like i feel like uh, and here's the flip side the good side of that is embracing your 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 rad momness like i'm gonna that's em- where i'm at now yeah now i don't give a fuck yeah yes that's what I'm talking about. Not giving an F and being like, you know what, dude? 
I'm gonna rock that fanny pack. I'm gonna put some sparkle on this shit. Like I'm gonna buy flashy shoes. I'm gonna put bedazzling on my fanny pack. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna wear pink now, dude. I don't give a rip. <laughs> right? There are days that I still leave the house looking completely like unkept. I, I look homeless some days. Of course. But then there's other days that. I leave the house and I go grocery shopping in a crop top because I'm like, because why not? Like, Hell yeah. I don't want to die inside anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also part of it, I think, might be the expectation of what a good mom is. Like, maybe you and I have this um, idealized version because we had shitty moms right, or just mentally ill moms, moms who mm-hmm. couldn't hold it together. I think for me anyways, I go... Well, good moms don't wear crop tops or good moms don't, you yeah. know, wear good flashy. Good moms are like Betty Crocker. Yeah. They're like at home baking everybody something and like yeah. driving you to soccer practice with all your friends. And I'll never be, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But I don't think I'm going to be that mom because that's just not me. Right. And I don't right. think I have to jeopardize or, you know, sacrifice all these parts of myself in order to be a mom, but I did think I did have to. So yeah, me too. You know, I said, I was like, Oh God, I got to shop at gap now and cut all my yes. hair off. I have really, really long hair. <laughs> I know, and, I know. Um, it's like, I actually told my husband, I was like, I'm going to have to cut it off. It's, it's, it's time. I'm Your hair? You, got to get, you got to get the mom haircut. You yeah, got to do the, the my shoulders. Yeah. Which I will say it would, I think be easier. It is easier. It would. Dude, she I hasn't, you know, she stopped throwing up in my hair every day. But at one point I was like, I can't do this anymore. Well, I tell you, I would still have long hair, but my hair got so dry and brittle after my second kid. Like, oh, they suck all the nutrients out oh, of yeah. you, babies. There's that level of, you know, uncontrollable hormonal things yeah. that happen. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's like, it's like, you know what? It's all, it's all chaos at least in the beginning and i hear it gets it does settle at least you know ellis is almost four right he's three and a half and it does settle down but in the beginning just survive i feel like and do what makes you happy and like f all the haters you know if there are but maybe the haters are in our head maybe the hater is us you I know don't think so. no? i think there's definitely like i think they call them mom bullies oh um, yeah yeah i know what you're talking about those moms that are just lurking and like waiting to see you slip up and then call you a bad mom. Tell me, do so you? I'm not sure there's people who see me and think like, well, she should be more attentive to her mom or to her child. <gasps> um, th- instead of doing the things that she's doing, like I, I don't think you're allowed to have hobbies, no, or no, interests no, no. or any. I don't even think you're allowed to have a relationship with yourself, in, according <laughs> to like the mom bullies. I think you're and right. I think I actually like let that expectation control a lot of parts of myself. I mean, newborn life is just truly miserable. I don't yeah. ever want to do it again, even though I plan to. Um, it's so hard. So I'm not in newborn life anymore. And I would never have hobbies or interests if I was still like with my newborn because you just you can't you barely even have time to go to the bathroom. Yeah. No. But now I'm coming out of. The, I think yesterday you guys called it the dark forest. Yeah. Um, or I was listening to it yesterday. Yeah. So now it's like I get to date my spouse again. Ooh. And I get to like be myself again. Well, dude. And she's going to be okay. 
if you want to really get your mom life back and i'm not gonna fucking tell anybody what to do but it helped me get that baby on a schedule bro get that baby on a schedule there's a book she's pretty good she's pretty good she's um, good all right then know. does she nap regularly you got that sweet nap time still yeah, oh. napping regularly. I get a lot of free time oh. to do my own thing. Oh, I'm finally get it. painting again and reading books again. Oh. My house is clean for the most part again. Um, but it took, you know, that long. And the greater portion of a year yes. to get to that point. And I did not feel like myself when I was pregnant because how can you... I, I was not... <laughs> one of those people that love being pregnant oh, i did not one second of being pregnant you mean you you mean you didn't have baby bliss like when the kardashians no. get pregnant and then no. they're on the cover of people magazine just smiling ear to ear like this is a i think i was beautiful. like morbidly depressed yeah <laughs> so were you really the opposite oh god yeah i hated being pregnant there was no like oh this is a miracle no it was torture for me we kept were you sick a lot <laughs> No, I really, I wasn't sick at all. Um, I just didn't love the idea of being pregnant. And this is also going back into, like, I didn't want to be a mom. I wasn't right. ready to be a mom. Of course. I thought the pregnancy was always really weird. Like, to grow a life inside of you is pretty weird. It's bananas. Um, and then I really didn't want to breastfeed. I was like, oh, I know. that was so weird to me. And... I didn't want to give birth. Like, not all of this stuff was just so not my scene, not my speed. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, you're such a baby. You, <laughs> your body was designed to do these things. I was just being selfish. I didn't want to share my body with anyone else. But rightfully so, because it sucks. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I mean, that's one reason I wanted to do this podcast is to explore the ambivalence um, with pregnancy and motherhood. And I think the party line the cultural line is that once you, you know, pregnancy is bliss, you should enjoy every minute of it because there are women out there who can't get pregnant and God damn it, you better enjoy it. And giving birth is natural and everybody's great at it. And it's a wonderful miracle and you should enjoy that. And then you should enjoy your baby because it's baby fantastic. Breastfeeding's a breeze. I think there is this, um, just a lot of uncomfortability with ambivalence meaning having two conflicting feelings at the same time i learned that in therapy that you can feel like you love your child but at the same time you're terrified or maybe you don't enjoy all parts of it all the time because i don't think women are taught that like we're not it's not at least it was not explained to me um i just saw like claire huxtable just like (laughs) you know like it's great everything's great or you know, even Roseanne, I think, was so revolutionary because she was the first mom to, on television um, to imply that maybe her children annoyed her every now and then. And that was in the 90s, you know? So Right. I think that causes other moms like us to have mom guilt, for lack yes. of a better word. Yes. Um, so you see these other moms who love being pregnant, and it's like, well, why didn't I love being pregnant? I guess I'm the, the weirdo who didn't love being pregnant. I'm not going to vocalize it. But I think... For the vast majority, we don't love being pregnant. <laughs> a lot of people don't, <laughs> or whatever. We don't love breastfeeding, or you know, not everyone has like an easy peasy time and all of these things. But it's the ones who speak up and had a one hour labor and breastfed with you know ease that make the rest of us too afraid to be like, well, 
um, that's not how it went for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And, and, and like you said, there's a lot of mom shamers out there who um, I remember I posted a picture of me just being tired on the couch and being like, I cannot wait until my husband comes home. I'm alone with the children. And there are these women out there who are like, well, then you shouldn't have kids. You know, like, yeah. if you're tired or you don't like, it's like, wait, are you, you mean to tell me that you love every minute of everything you do all the right. time? Right, like you don't get tired of yeah. your kids ever because I can't wait for nap time. Oh, it's the best, isn't it? <laughs> it's like oh. a few hours that I don't have to listen to Elmo's world or screeching right. or right. having someone squall at me or breastfeed. Right. Um, I, I 100%. I'm like, but how many hours did your baby nap? You're so lucky. Um, Lately, it's been great, but I'm going to drink myself and then tomorrow she's not going to take a nap. Fuck. Wait until they drop but, their naps. Oh, man. I, I don't have a child who sleeps through the night. So. Oh, okay. So she she kills it during the day, which is good. Yeah. But I think almost that, like, I would prefer that. Yeah. Because during the day, I've got a lot of things I need to get done with only two hands. Right. So oh, girl. please sleep during the day. Like, I'll survive the night. Are you cleaning your own house? Everything? You're doing everything? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. girl. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna send you a surprise or something. I need to help you. <laughs> I'm gonna help you. Out. I'm, I'm gonna hook you up with something, man. I'm fucking helping you. Like eight months jungle gym. It's just like baby services everywhere. Well, I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you what. Because you've been doing everything and you've been running around, I will say you lost all your baby weight and you look fucking amazing. So, congrats. <laughs> That is the trade-off, I will say. You look amazing. I work to get rid of that because, I, you know, I don't want to be stuck in, like, the saggy, soggy no. mom. I don't either. And can I tell you something? And I know it's so un-PC. Um, you're supposed to, like, don't fat shame people. And you should accept and love yourself. Like, yes... Yeah, I love and accept the fact that I'm 15 pounds overweight right now, but I'm not going to keep it that way. I'm working my butt off trying to get to a decent weight because I don't like how it feels being fat, and I'm goddamn fat right now. I don't like it. You know what I mean? And it's good that's, to not that's like why I being fat. Yeah, and girl. I think I realized that politically correctness is also mommy correctness. So um, I think I'm terming that because I like that. you should love your mommy body because it gave life. But I don't. I can love the fact that I gave life and not love what it did to my body. Mm. Preach, goddamn! Oprah never said that shit on her show. That is right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yeah, you can love what you did. It doesn't mean that you love your hangy, sogging mom tits. You know, I got big definitely little... not. No, yeah, sitting was not kind to your tits ever. No, I, I got mean... fucking gorilla tits. Here's what I do. I was gonna give you. <laughs> I was just thinking. So you know how like okay, for instance, at my school, sometimes they they mom they mom shame and invert inadvertently like well is ellis gonna come to the the summer festival this wednesday at 9 p.m because he practiced the song i'm like no he's asleep at 7 30 first of all or whatever like inane thing well you know um are you gonna make crafts for all the kids for valentine's day like i remember it was valentine's day they're giving them out to all the, and a lot of parents are hand making them i go really because i'm gonna go to rite aid and i'm gonna buy him a box 
of uh, Valentine's that we used to have in the 80s, and he's going to hand those out. Like, I told the teacher explicitly, like, I'm not that mom, bro. Like, I don't have that kind of time, but what I will do, like, you want me to uh, donate to something? Here's $20. You want me to you know, come and, and I don't know, chaperone a party. Yeah, dude, but I'm not going to like craft. I'm not, that's not the kind of mom I am. So go fuck yourself basically. And now they know. <laughs> I don't say that. Like, you know, I'm not going to fucking bring cupcakes for the whole class. I'm not going to bake cookies for, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but I'll, you know, I'll give you $20 for your fucking craft table or whatever. <laughs> Sorry. I coughed into your mic. Anyways. Anyways, well, I'm glad to hear that you're bouncing back. You're almost at a year. The year mark is when everything gets a lot easier, at least for me. It's my, you know, you got a toddler. She, I kind of, I don't know. I'm scared in hearing other moms who have, like, toddler age, like, potty training age, talking age. I don't know if it gets easier. I think it gets harder. Yeah, I don't, to me, the newborn era is the hardest personally personally it was the most emotionally horrible so everything else has been gravy and i like them when they talk i like talking to them and hearing their thoughts and i i enjoy i enjoy it when my toddler freaks out i'm like yeah put a fucking brick in it bro like i like his fire yeah like yeah to, i can't you know? i haven't been there yet i don't miss newborn i definitely don't but there are days where you know when she was a newborn she would just sleep on my chest for hours oh. and I would be stuck to the couch watching Netflix all day. And I used to be just enraged yes. that I had to sit and watch Netflix all day. And now I'm like, please, yeah. sleep on my chest so I can watch Netflix. I know. I know. But here's the neat part. Eventually you can just put the TV on and watch a movie and then they'll chill. Yeah, I don't think eight months is that same. No, by a year they'll want to watch cartoons and then when they get so, sick they'll want to lay on you again and that's cute too yeah i like the cuddles i just i'm not looking forward to being independent i think Aww. because then i have to really watch her all the time oh yeah and then they start they start walking the theme of motherhood is that you really never like get the hang of it like i'll, I'll be winging it forever um, <laughs> because as soon as you get the hang of it something changes yeah that's true but so I'm sure that's probably the same with yourself. Like as soon yeah. as you figure yourself out, something is going to change. Yeah. So you're going to have to figure it all out again. Yeah, hundred percent. And I honestly, I prefer the intellectual challenge of parenting to the physical part. Cause the first couple oh, of years it's the physical, like it's just a grind of like keeping this being alive and well. And then when they get older, they get clever. And now you're, you're, you're kind of working on the mental part. And that part I enjoy a lot more personally, but I don't know. Yeah. I, don't I, fucking... think I'll, I think I'll like that part. I, I will miss the baby. I love the baby smell and the, the squishiness and the cuddles and the, the gummy smile. I'm losing the gummy oh, smile. Oh, I love the gummy now. So the gummy smile is like, it's a fleeting moment for me. And I, I will miss that. Like I, I sniff her like she's a drug. Like I'm huffing glue all day. Like I I'm know. just sniffing her. Ugh, they don't have breath. Like they don't have bad smells, babies. I love their breath. It's like little sweet milk breath. Oh, it's the cutest. Juju's got these chunky, chunky legs and feet. I have to buy special shoes because his feet are too fat to fit into regular, you know, kid size shoes. He's so fat. He's got like cookie dough feet. It's the fucking best. You've seen my daughter. She's yeah. on the larger scale. Oh, they're the best. Fat babies are the best. No, they really are. 
All right. Well, I'm I'm glad you're uh, you're out of the woods and um, celebrate that, dude. Be proud of your momness. Oh, I am. I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of, and if Mm-mm. if anyone is ashamed of it, it's just perpetuating the issue that we're talking about here. And so, I hope that your podcast achieves that, if nothing else, to like get the message out to other moms. It's like it's okay to feel these ways. Yeah, I hope so. Because I knew I felt really alone when. Ellis was born and I had these feelings and thoughts and I looked all over for a podcast where women would just be honest about it and I I didn't find oh, it. Not. Yeah. I know I felt and that made me feel even worse and I'm like, "Oh, I must be this horrible person because I have these conflicted feelings about something so sacred and like it's ridiculous, no. man. But we can love our I think kids. A lot of people feel this way. I hope I think just so. so afraid to talk about it. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll We'll get into it. We'll get deep on all that stuff and and help people. Yep. Okay. Well, I, I love you. I think you're fantastic. I'm going to send you some kind oh, of a I surprise. You. you know I do. Yeah, you're the best. And I'm happy to hear you're in Atlanta. Sorry, I, I didn't realize you'd moved. So good for you. Oh, yeah. I got the hell out of Alabama. Thank God. And the guy is good? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good. I locked him down. Hey, girl. God. <laughs> all right. We'll Thank have... you so much for having me. Are you kidding me? This was like amazing to talk to you i'm i'm like i'm honored you're even wanting to be on my show and um, um of course you. i've been there from the start i mean Hi. i'm i'm sad to say that that zebra was gone but i get it <laughs> i know you know what happened honestly i that show kind of ran its course for me and i and i gotta be like brutally honest i was getting emails that i was not qualified to answer um yeah about people's yeah and i was like you know what let's give dr drew a show um who is highly qualified so actually guys if you have questions that are kind of that's deep bro adjacent um email dr drew because there's a guy who knows about trauma and who knows about therapy and addiction and everything yeah it's dr drew after dark at gmail.com that's d-r-d-r-e-w a-f-t-e-r-d-a-r-k at gmail.com and tell him like dude i used to listen to that deep bro i have this question i think he um he's way more qualified than a, a dopey comedian <laughs> to talk about anybody's problems <laughs> all right diana thank you so much go back to your little baby have your dinner i'm it's probably dinner time for you it is it is thanks christina all right, love you, mommy. i love you too mommy take care bye how special was that i feel like i've known her since she was a little baby that girl all right, should we close on something fun? Oh, I'll close the laptop. My Nadav told me that. Let's do one. Is there a fun mom fail? Have we forgotten somebody um, or anything? Oh, we, we have one more fun segment for you. Oh. I'm definitely doing this wrong, right? <laughs> so okay. We have, we have two voicemails for you. Yay. This could be the fun stuff to end on. Okay, let's end on something positive. Hey, Mommy. Trevor here. I'm actually trying to get my wife pregnant so that she can become a mom. And I'm just wondering, what is the best sexual position for us to be in so that I could blow my hot load and and get her pregnant? Uh, Thank you so much. Why do I love the voicemails from the men so much? You guys are fucking savage, bro. This is the only savage mom show out there. It's so funny. No women are going to listen to this podcast. You know that. This is going to be like the mom show for dudes because everybody's like, oh, blow my hot load. Every woman right now is like, click, turn that off. 
This is my problem in life. I'm a dirt bag. I'm a, I'm a dirt and I like dirt bag stuff. So it's never going to be an audience for me. Okay. Um, okay. All right. Physicians. Hey man, as far as I know, um, you want to get deep penetration so you can blow your hot load as far up the uh, uh, vaginal canal as possible. Um, from what I understand, doggy position is shallow penetration. I think good old fashioned missionary. Yeah, let's Google it. That might be a question for um, Dr. Drew to answer, but let's see, 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 see. I think it's good old fashioned missionary because you're just your your parts fit together nicely and you can deliver that load now more importantly than positioning okay here we go here's some pictures of stick figures effing Ugh, this is so gross nobody wants to see pregnant people having sex um i, I tried oh <laughs> yeah at least i want to see me. i'm picturing tom and i effing that's why i'm looking at that like uh we're so fat um I think, okay, so here's the deal, man. More important than position is timing. Timing, as Steve Martin would say. Timing. God, this high, you're so bad. We'll fix this next time. Um, is, is the timing. So there's only four days, a four-day window a woman can get pregnant. That's the truth of it. So you got to have her test her ovulation. Get those, those ovulation kits. You get these stupid sticks from Rite Aid, and she pees on them, Okay. And then if the stick tells you go F, that's when you go F. It tells you when you're fertile. Because otherwise, you're busting nuts for nothing. So you make sure that those nuts you're busting are uh, beneficial nuts. Now also, little trade secret, this is how I got preggers with Ellis. You want to be uh, busting nuts about a day or two before she ovulates. Okay, you hear me? one or two days bang every day in that window one or two days before why because the sperm is already up there in the fallopian tube so that when the egg is released from the ovary bam there he is he's right there man because the day if you wait too long so now the has the egg has to travel from the ovary down the fallopian tube um and then into the uterus now the egg the egg gets fertilized in the fallopian tube that's how it usually works right so you make sure that there's sperm there already buh, 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 buh. embryo and plants in your uterus bob is your uncle so there you go also get drunk enough man you know I, that's what i've heard the most when when you're relaxed when a woman is relaxed nature uh can do its thing if you're all stressed out tense i gotta get pregnant this month it's never gonna happen the minute you forget about it is when you're gonna get pregnant that's how i got with ellis tom and i went up to Ojai, we banged a bunch. No, this is before. Sorry, I didn't even realize I was pregnant. And um, we just banged a bunch in uh, where was it? Some terrible place, Virginia Beach. Sorry, Virginia Beach, the Marriott, I think. Um, okay, we have one more. Yep, one more from Ellen. Degenerous. Um, this isn't. I'm not a mom. Uh, my name is Ellen, but this is me ratting my mom out, throwing her under the bus. She let me walk around for three days one time with a broken wrist. Oh, um, I was playing soccer and I broke it. And after three days of my wrist flapping around in the wind, <laughs> she took me to the doctor and they pretty much called her a shitty mom. Yeah, yeah, but I love her. She's cool. And then also my brother wow. used to like to push me down the stairs when I was a kid and she saw him do it one time and she laughed really hard because she said it was like I was doing cartwheels down the stairs. 
I promise she's a good mom. It's just oh, she's she had good. a couple fails here and there. I love her. She's cool. Yeah. yeah. She sounds cool. Your mom sounds awesome. This is the craziest thing. Okay, you know when Dr. Drew... Yeah, it's a fucking cool mom. Um, you know when Dr. Drew... I don't know if you ever watched <clears throat> the, the celebrity addiction show that he did. And every single time he interviewed people, he'd be like, did you have any childhood trauma? And then the celebrity who um, had a severe heroin addiction and was in a porn addiction and a gambling addiction. The celebrity always go, no, no, um, childhood was great. Um, well, did your parents ever hit you? Well, yeah, there was this one time my mom uh, beat me with a belt. Actually, there was 10 or 20,000 times my mother would beat me with a belt. And you're like, you find out that people had these horrendous childhoods that you don't really, you're not, you're not aware because it's normal to you because you probably haven't been um, to see a shrink to fucking to, to go over it my favorite quote is you're like uh, my brother would push me down the stairs and then she would laugh but i love her she's a good mom <laughs> no cool moms not like a regular mom i'm a cool mom it's not a cool mom it's so not a cool mom your mom sounds like a piece of shit i'm sorry to tell you this but you had a shitty shitty mom and you need to go to therapy to straighten that out, bro. Like, if you break your wrist, you got to go to the hospital. Now, there are some times I've heard stories where pe kids break ribs and, like, sometimes the parents don't know that it's broken. But it sounds like your mother knew and was like, nah, that's expensive. Hospitals are expensive or whatever her logic was. So, yeah, your mom sucked. You need to um, go help yourself. Um, she's, it's so funny how we defend our horrible parents. I defended my horrible parents for so many years, and then I'm like, no. Uh, they did teach me a lot of cool stuff, but I'll get into that on another episode. Um, so thank you, everybody, for downloading this episode of Where My Mom's At. Go ahead and leave me a voicemail at 213-375-5184. See me do stand-up. If you haven't already, check out my two Netflix specials, Mother Inferior and The Degenerates. I was eight months pregnant when I did The Degenerates, so check out how fat and sweaty I was there. And uh, ticket links at Christina P online. Also, that's this place. We have a website here where it's where my mom's at.com. Thank you, and I will see you next week. Bye. Big tits. I got huge tits. She's got big old hangers.